Let's rewind the clock back several thousand years because the because the the universe created by J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings technically is a before history uh, time period that takes place in our actual world, but before recorded history. Yeah, but does Tolkien say specifically when? Many years. Okay, long time ago. He here's what he did. He actually fused it. If I remember it, he fused it with the whole uh, Robert E. Howard Hyperborean age. So there was a so like his. His his stuff takes place in prehistory, and then it's followed by the Hyborian Age. Is it Hyborian or Hyperborean? But anyway, and then after that is recorded history. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're riveted because you'd have about 45 more minutes of that in store on today's episode of the Songtopsy Report, uh, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. And I am Steve Trollinger, and Nick looked at me because he thought I was going to say something in Sindarin, and I, I just don't ass- know how to say it. I just assumed that at this point on this episode is the one day where you would flaunt your elvish skills, I, which is a sentence you don't hear nearly often I enough, I don't I'm sure. have them. I wish, you know, I, when, I, when I've got, I've got Duolingo on my phone, and I'm- They have Klingon. They have Klingon, and- Ladies. I'm pre- <laughs> In case anyone's- Nick's single, folks. Uh, and- <laughs> Uh, yeah, they had Klingon. They had, like, there's a whole bunch of languages on there that you're never going to, like, I was like, oh, maybe I'll learn Celtic. Maybe I'll learn Gaelic. Maybe I'll learn Welsh. No one's going to, I'm never going to use those languages. They're like Steve and they, I don't know who they are, but Steve, why don't you learn a language that would actually help you, like Spanish or Mandarin or something? Sounds like something no, I no, I want to learn, I want to learn a language that is a conversation starter but cannot carry a conversation. <laughs> that is a very, very specific kind of language. So I'm surprised, Duolingo, get off of your asses and get Sindarin, Quenya, whichever you want to do first, I will learn. But Steve, you're remiss in that you're forgetting the most universal language of all, metal. I thought you were going to say the black speech of Mordor, but those two things are interchangeable, aren't they? <laughs> they almost are. They're bo- you, you can't understand what either of them are saying. Uh, no, today on uh, this episode of B-Sides, we are discussing the surprisingly harmonious relationship between Tolkien mythology and the world of metal. Now, I, I feel like Mike, unfortunately, is not present for this episode, which is a shame, but at the same time, like you bring an encyclopedic knowledge of Tolkien and I think a, a general understanding of metal, and then I have an encyclopedic knowledge of metal and a brief understanding of Tolkien. Why do you gotta say things like "I have an encyclopedic"? Why do you put the onus on me to have an encyclopedic knowledge of something? Because you said you have read the Cimmerillion, and regardless of that, in every episode you pull at least one anecdotal fact out of your ass that nobody else knows, but somehow you happen to know. You well, set you set the bar too high for yourself. I have, and now that it now that I've got the spotlight on me, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose control. I'm gonna lose myself in the moment. I'll own it. You I'll, better never I'll let it never go. Never let it go, Mom. Spaghetti. Because do you know how many shots you get? How many? One. <gasps> When opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Yeah, if we tried to do uh, the marriage of Tolkien and rap music, it would have been a lot harder. <laughs> it would but, have been a shorter episode. But so my knowledge of Lord of the Rings and Jared Tolkien and his work in general is mostly limited because I have not read the book, Steve. I'm very sorry. Um, you what? What are you doing with your life? 
So I saw I <laughs> listen though, man. I saw the movies. Uh, ah, and then I leap across <laughs> the table and choke him to death. Well, no, so I, I mean, I saw the movies, I understand the gist of it, but the majority of my knowledge of the expanded universe of Lord of the Rings comes from my love of metal music, mm-hmm. because there's so many metal bands that just have an obsession with Lord of the Rings, from the titles of, al- from the themes of albums, from the uh, stage names of the artists themselves. Jared Tolkien is very, very prolific in the world of metal. I know very little about metal, but I did know that. <laughs> of uh, It's a safe assumption. Yeah, so... I we were talking about this a little before. I I honestly feel like uh, it's when you get an opportunity to be able to use a completely original language, which is a very rare thing. Nobody has the when you, nobody has like the amount of time or education to be able to generate their own language. It, it's except for nerds. Except for well, not even that because like Klingon's a perfect example. Klingon is a language that has. It's, well, it's not a language, but Klingon, Klingon is a, is a, a Duolingo disagrees. Is a is a made up fictional language that has built upon itself over time. It was I think it was originally created actually James Doohan, the, the guy who played Scotty yeah. in the original series and in the show, in the show and in the movies, original movies. Um, uh, him and uh, one of the uh, someone else uh, on the on the team when they were making the movies because I don't think Klingon spoke anything but English in the TV show. Well, actually, I mean, that makes last... You said Scotty helped create the uh, language. And then over the course of, like, 15, 15 to 30 years, other nerds have built on it. Especially really? the people like the TV shows, eventually, because they were like, all right, well, let's just keep doing this then. Um, even... <clears throat> I mean, um, Martin, J.R.R. Uh, Martin. J.R.R. Martin. Martin. It's too many R's. George Mar- George R.R. Martin, uh, like his, like, Dothraki language and Valyrian languages, these are just, these are not things that he, he, his goal was not to create a language. He just wanted some words that sounded cool and foreign yeah. enough. So he created rudimentary, maybe verbs or nouns, just so that you could string a sentence together or so. And then when they made the TV show, they're like, oh, we're going to have to do entire scenes in this. So we're going to get a bunch of like language experts together and extrapolate from the crap you made up and add, like give it some veracity, some verisimilitude. So the goal that uh, Tolkien and George R. R. Martin uh, inadvertently stumbled upon is you just let the nerds do the heavy lifting. No, but the point I was getting at was that Tolkien is the only one who didn't. Who that's not. That's how those other languages got to where they are. Tolkien built it himself because he was a linguist. I can't imagine having that much time on my hands. He was, even if you're a linguist. Well, he was. He was doing a lot of the work in the trenches during World War One, so he did have some time on his hands there. Um, but I got way off track. He <laughs> he he was a linguist first. If you anyone who has read The Lord of the Rings, especially the Silmarillion, knows that the man is not a breathtaking storyteller. His nor his, can he write female characters. Right. His training and his education was in languages. He was a linguist. It was not in the finer points of narrative storytelling. Mm. He just kind of fell into it, trying to he basically wrote a language and then decided or didn't decide. He wrote this language just on the just out of the pure love of, I want to make my own language, and I know a bunch of languages, so I can just pick and choose a bunch of things from different languages and make something else. And uh, he fused that with a desire to create a... Because England uh, and the British people had certain myths about them, the Arthurian myths or whatnot, but he wanted to create like a primordial myth, like the... um, 
like the the Greeks have the Olympian myths, yeah. and then uh, and this you know uh, I- the uh, Indian cultures had their myths. Yeah, he wanted know, to manufacture his own some th- sort of like and, primary, like a primordial, like this is how the world began, uh, English mythology. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I recall reading that he was convinced at the end that it was real what he wrote. Like he didn't view it in the sense of oh I wrote a fictional thing. Like he he <clears throat> treated it with an earnestness, like it did actually exist in some capacity. He, he probably did treat it like that. I don't know, or I want to go as far as to say that he had convinced himself that the mythology he created. Was I don't want to insinuate real. that he went on like a dementia <laughs> spiral and wanted to try to get back to Middle Earth. But he he created the language first, and then thought, oh you know what I should do? There should there's got to be languages exist for a reason. Languages exist because of history. So now that I've just made up this language, I should probably come up with a history as to how this language came to be, which is where all of, which is where everything else came from, is just that very simple spark, that simple notion of, I did all this work to create a language because I'm a huge nerd. Might as well come up with a history that explains why it exists in the first place. And then 40 years, billions of dollars, dozens of metal bands later. Yes. So let's extrapolate on this. So fantasy novels I feel like have long been the main source of literature for us nerds and I I say that affectionately who are you talking about (laughs) I'm a cool guy I didn't just spend the last 15 minutes discussing the origins of Middle Earth (laughs) and not even the actual like written origins the like extemporaneous origins the expanded universe aspect of it but um I feel like a lot of metalheads have a reputation for being antisocial and living in their own respective hobbit holes so to speak and I think that that's possibly why metal went hand in hand with Tolkien and just uh, fantasy in general. So because of, the music a lot of scene kid about it, a lot of scene kid stuff around it. <laughs> Is there such as? Well, you know, just, I, I was extrapolating based on your notion of just a lot of people just being like, I don't want to talk to any of those people. I'm gonna be over here by myself thinking yeah. stuff. I I want I want to I want to read the Cimmerillion again and practice my guitar at the same time and then marry these two. And that's how every metal band starts. And that's the only way I'm getting married. Exactly. That's the only marrying that will occur in my life. (laughs) The marriage of Tolkien and my guitar. (laughs) Uh, So I I started getting into metal in high school. I didn't read, like I said, any of the Lord of the Rings books. Hmm, Interesting. And did this love of metal correlate with an increased amount of bullying? (laughs) You know what? Maybe it did. Hmm, Quite. I certainly wasn't homeschooled for two years in middle school and then happened to get into metal around that same time. There's mm-hmm. certainly no correlation. Yeah. You're not finding deep-seated truths about myself that I hadn't considered up until this point. Uh, but one of the metal bands uh, that I, I have to put in my top five, one of my favorite bands, is Blind Guardian. They are a German power metal band. And is there any other kind? There are... There, there, okay. not you want to open this Not Norwegian. Oh, anything out of the Baltic states. Anything out of the Baltic, the state. Baltic and the and like the Northern Europe. Any are there any other groups that are not geographically located in those areas? Some. Okay, I'm gonna believe you for a second. Oh, after I'll I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a, a a world tour of all that metal has to offer. But we're gonna stick very heavily in the Baltic region for for this episode because that's where most of the uh, Tolkien inspired metal comes from. Now, Blind Guardian, German uh, power metal band. 
throughout their history, they have very, very heavily leaned into Tolkien mythology. They have a song called The Lord of the Rings. But they did one album called Nightfall in Middle Earth, which was entirely based on the Cimmerillion, which I didn't hear, I'd never heard of until after Silmarillion. Silmarillion. Excuse me. Yes, I'm not the nerd. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, look, if you're going to talk about it, do it right, okay? You know what? That's fair. That's fair. Respect, all right? So I listened to this album, and I loved it. And my the only reason I know who Morgoth is or who, who Fjörner is... Ah, you speak of Melkor, the fallen one. Yes. I just want to play a little bit of the beginning of this album because, like I said, this is what, this is what swayed me into understanding more of who what J.R. Tolkien's work was outside of the three movies that I had seen. So this is the very beginning. There's a little intro track to Nightfall in Middle-Earth, and then it segues into the first song. But this one-two punch, I just love. is lost. Everything is lost. The Black One has fallen from the sky and the towers in ruins lie. The enemy is within, everywhere, and with him the light. Soon they will be here. Go now, my lord, while there is time. There are places below. And you know them too. I'll release thee. Go. My servant you'll be for all time. As you command, my king. That's Morgoth and Sauron, isn't it? It is. I had a part in everything. Twice I destroyed the light and twice I failed. I left ruin behind me when I returned. But I also carried ruin with me. She, the mistress of her own lust. And I was in love. Yes, sir. So, I I don't I don't know if I can make fun of you anymore because I'm I'm I it took me exactly like ten seconds to get what the song was about. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that I can actually <laughs> make fun of you anymore because you, know, you played the that intro part and I was like, okay, yeah, the the War of Wrath, I, I get that. And then like it started playing that, and I was like, are they singing about? Are they singing about Ungoliant? <laughs> They're singing about Ungoliant. <laughs> They're singing about the uh, the the poisoning of the trees and the, exactly, and the and the and the and the, uh, the fleeing of uh, Ungoliant, the spider and uh, Morgoth across uh, into uh, across the Helicaraxi. Helicaraxi, is that how you say Helicaraxi? 
into uh, into what is what we would know as Middle Earth, and then and then I'm doing this is in my head as the song is playing. Yeah, Steve, I lost track of what you're talking about yeah. like ten sentences ago, but it's okay because we're both nerds. Yeah, we, we found we found each other through mm. through through different concentric circles, but they overlap in metal about. The Silmarillion. Yeah, I. Uh, God. Ah, don't you feel great about yourself right now? We should just right stop doing this episode because I was just going to make fun of you the whole time, and now I can't. But no, so uh, it was it was my love of the music that then got me interested in the lyrics that then gave me some understanding of Tolkien mythology. But Blind Guardian, I would say, is my personal favorite band that does that. But they are certainly not alone in bands that have uh, embraced Tolkien. Uh, there's tons and tons of them. And what I find interesting is a lot of them manifest themselves in the stage names that various artists uh, take for themselves. Like, uh, there's this metal band, uh, Symphonic Norwegian Black Metal, which we talked about in our Black Metalist Krieg episode. Uh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't here. <laughs> you were not there for that, which is very disappointing. We'll have to do a follow-up one. But um, a band called Dimu Borgir, their vocalist name is uh, Shagrath. Now, if I say that, that sounds like Shagrat. And wh- wh- where's that from, Steve? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know that one off the top of my oh, head. Oh, you no. don't? Uh, there's a friend of mine who does listen to our show who is going to yell at me for every one of these that I don't remember. <laughs> oh, my God, Steve, how could you not know? So, Shagrat is an orc demon from the book Lord of the Rings, uh, and he chose the name very young. Once the band got started, I think he was like 17. Um, I thought you were talking about the orc. Yeah, the he orc. He chose yes. his name at a young age. <laughs> Hearken, children, to this tale. His name was Shagrath. His parents didn't give him a name. It wasn't until he was um, commander over Sirdith Ungol. Kirith. Kirith Ungol. In, so in, I always, oh, I, yes, always, yes. I remember this. Teach, teach me something. I do remember this. In in uh, into the Tolkien languages, uh, a C is a hard C. It's a K. It's always a K sound. So Kirith Ungol, um, others like it. <laughs> Kirith Ungol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Once again, though, they, they, he chose the stage name, Shagrath, but then as the band progressed, they went into various different lyrical themes and never once, I believe, did a song about Lord of the Rings. Hmm. So it's, and there's a lot of this. There's a lot of metal bands, and also especially black metal bands, where it seems like when all these guys were young, pasty-faced, lanky, 16-year-old Scandinavian kids, they were all into Lord of the Rings, and they all started metal bands, and they all chose stage names that were related to it in some way, and then as they progressed, they had less and less to do with it. Uh, but the most famous example is probably uh, Buddhism, which is the... No, you know. <gasps> Go ahead. I do know. This is the one that I do know. You may recall, if you saw the movies like me, and aren't like a... Um, if you're a sellout like me and you only saw the movies, you know that in Lord of the Rings, the one true ring, the inscription is in it is one ring to rule them all, one ring to bind them, one ring to find them, one ring to shit in the darkness and in the darkness bind them. Ashnaj, no wait, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, <laughs> Eskadet, Ashnaj, Eskadet. Um, we know the one true Dark Lord is Ashnaj Gimbaltul. <laughs> uh, one ring to rule them all. One ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. Though technically, the whole verse is three rings for the elven kings under the sky, seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Steve, Nine it's only for an hour podcast. Men doomed to die, one for the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring, etc., etc., in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. But that word darkness, what is that word in the language of Mordor? 
Tourism? How did you guess? Yes. Because I, the actual, Could the you actual read context black speech, yes. Yes. Uh, yes, so in our uh, Black Metalist Krieg episode that Mike and I did, we discussed the formation of one of the most infamous black metal bands, Mayhem, and the basis in that oh, band... Oh, you mean... Black Metal! Black Metal! I was jealous ba- I never got to do that, so I wanted to do that. <laughs> No, I think we I think we will do a dedicated mayhem episode because I only gave like a very brief black metal history in that, but it's it's so juicy. You got cannibalism, you got murder, you got black metal. See, all of a sudden you seem to not want to do that episode. No, I don't want to do that episode. But I the, don't want to be here. There we go. There's on brand Steve. Uh but the bassist of Mayhem was a Varg Vikernes who had his own solo oh, project. Yes, yes. Varg good old Vikernes. good, good old, old Varg Vikernes. Good old, definitely not a Nazi Varg. Now he he had his own solo project uh, simultaneously while he was in Mayhem prison. Called, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, his side project is called Prison. He was in that project for a long time, uh, but he's out now. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, so he had his uh, solo project. Uh, Burzum, which is still making music. Basically, he released several albums under Burzum. He went to jail for a good 10, 12 years. He came out, and he's been releasing music under Burzum since. Now, in his explanation as to why he was attracted to Tolkien, uh, this comes from his website directly. Quote, Now, just imagine a, a, a bearded, adult, sullen, once again, definitely not a Nazi, quote-unquote, um, Norwegian guy. I was going to say, Sad Gandalf? He does kind of look like Sad Gandalf. Uh, He says, In my teenage interpretation, I pretty much saw the hobbits as children or simply boring. The dwarves reminded me too much of greedy capitalist pigs, and they too were pretty boring. Shaking my fist. Yes, thank you for shaking your fist. Their rules were cool, and Moria was a wonderful place, but I disliked their greed vehemently. And who wants to be short anyhow? He's pissed off so many people, like in the first paragraph. I love it. Uh, the elves were fascinating, beautiful, and especially their immortality and closeness to nature was cool. They were kind of dull, and they fought for the wrong side. Instead, I love how, I love how into racial purity they were. <laughs> and how there should only, in the history of elves, there should only be three times when they get with someone who isn't one of them. Are you counting the uh, Hobbit movies? No. Of course I'm not counting the Hobbit movies, Nicholas. Because <laughs> it's four, then. Of course I'm not counting the frickin'... Oh, oh God. Oh, here, wait, hold on. Let me put on my on my many hats. I'm going to put on my uh, indignant, uh, hyper-masculine Lord of the Rings You have hat. grown eight feet tall with the amount of hats that you have on. <laughs> the best quote I saw describing the Hobbit movies... Way to shoehorn a lady in there, Peter Jackson. Uh, the best description of the Hobbit... Uh, movies I saw was this oh Jesus Christ yes ladies and <laughs> ladies and gentlemen you're about to hear hang on you know, I'm gonna accept this hello Mike yo what Mike up? you have no do you want to know where you are right now you know what don't tell me it's in the middle of the episode. Mike, not only is this the middle of the episode, but we're recording, and I answered this phone call on the iPad, so you are on the podcast right now. What's up? Are you kidding me, Nick? Yeah, no. Oh. Wait, could, what are you, could what we are have been guys, doing this this whole time? Literally, I never have to leave my house, so we could just be doing it this way? Shush. No, Mike, so... <laughs> hang on, let me turn you up a little bit. All right. 
we are just in the middle of talking about uh, so we're talking about Tolkien and metal, uh, and we are talking about the band Burzum. Now, Mike, do you remember ever us ever talking about Burzum? Bur- Burzum. What? He is just as helpful over the phone as he is in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Mike, we're talking about Burzum. Now, Burzum was the project of that guy, Varg Vikernes, the guy who killed the guitarist of Mayhem in our Black Metal episode, remember? Oh, yeah, because the guy from Mayhem, he was jealous of him for being best friends with Dead who blew his brains out. Uh, that is right? a theory that was not proven, but that- yes, that was your working theory. It was a friendship gone awry. It's a it's a working theory that I'm pretty confident in, Nick, because that guy ate the other dude's brains, and uh, he didn't share any with, this, with the other that dude. That is why you know he would I mean? be the most uh, devastated and offended. Uh, but no, so Mike, the the name Burdism actually means darkness in the language of Mordor. So in the Lord of the Rings, the ring has the word darkness on it, like in the darkness bind them, and darkness uh, is Burdism. Oh we're cutting my this whole thing god! Away at this, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, but you're basically. We spent like ten minutes to get to the same point you just got with to him in like three minutes. But Mike joined us on the journey. The journey was complete, and then the journey, you answered the phone. The journey is never complete until Mike Russell is part of it. I, I feel. I feel. This big circle thing has finally become one. What? You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, listen, listen, I, I don't want to interrupt too much, and I could talk the whole time, but I'm about to jump on a subway, too. Mike, but before you go, um, so this whole episode, we're obviously trying to talk about the relationship between J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, and metal. Um, do you have any thoughts on the matter? I know I'm kind of springing this on you, but uh, how do you feel about this, the fact that so many metal bands use Lord of the Rings for, like, inspiration? Oh, I think it totally makes sense, Nick, if you really think about it. Well, I mean, and you certainly the, have. I mean, the, the, the Dark Lord himself, Sauron, uh-huh. all right? And it's got all the nature, which is uh, way, way out in these uh, these Swedish, Finnish, uh, what do you call them? Countries? The, uh, the countries over there, yeah. And they're always yeah. out in the woods, man. And I'm telling you, that's what, these, uh, that's what the hobbits do. They walk through the woods, too. You know what I mean? And they had, uh, what, they had the, uh, the, the, the not the Death Eaters, that's Harry Potter. What are, what are those guys called? With, the Nazgul? Uh, with the yeah, the Nazgul, the Ringwraiths. Yeah, those guys, essentially, I think, are just, uh, they're all different singers for different uh, death metal bands, right? Because always growling all the time. You know, that, holy crap, Mike, that is a point I never considered. The Ring Raids were the original black metal vocalists. Shire. That's what it is, man. That's what <laughs> Wait, actually, Gollum sounds more like most black metal vocalists. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say no. They're not. They're, they are not metal vocalists because if we're if you're using the movies, which you always are, then, it's my only frame of reference they, other they, than Blind Guardian. Those are not. Well, that sounds more like Sarah McLaughlin or yeah. something. Those are not metal. Those are the Sarah McLaughlin's of metal. Or the, yeah, uh, the, the yeah Sarah one. McLaughlin's hit song, you know, Shire, comma, Baggins. <laughs> but no, Mike, I think you might be onto something. Like, because we, we've just been discussing the kind of... The arms of the Nazgul. 
uh, we've just been discussing kind of how Tolkien's um, kind of just how like the stories themselves lend themselves just to the lyrics, but you're saying the whole aesthetic is kind of what lent itself. Yeah. Oh, abs- absolutely, Nick. Absolutely. I mean, and, and now now that you've said it, put it in my brain, I think the comparisons and the, the parallels are undeniable. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thank you so much. I'm so glad you were able to contribute a little bit to this episode. Um, hello? Have we lost you, or are you lost in thought? All right, Mike, We're go- listen, we're going to hang up. Um, What's that? You're a big doo-doo head. I know, Mike. It's fine. Oh, and oh, and we lost oh, him. Oh, no. Oh, no. It hung up it's accidentally. A, yeah, what, what a shame. He hung up. Well, that was a great... Uh, contribution by mike russell yeah. i think he really got at some insight this there. episode certainly doesn't feel like it is all over the place we are laser focused here for this episode uh but we were in the middle of hearing Vardik vikernes explain his reason for uh being interested in jared Tolkien and lord of the rings so he's he's insulted dwarves as being short he's insulted uh hobbits as being capitalist pigs no, the no, the dwarves were capitalist pigs. Oh my goodness, you're right. Yeah, the hobbits are boring children. Yes. The dwarves are capitalist pigs. Not yes. to go on too much of a tangent, but how God. do you feel this about... This whole episode's a tangent. <laughs> exactly, so it's realigning itself. How do you feel about the accusations that the dwarves are anti-Semitic caricatures? Okay, so I am of the firm belief... The fern belief, is that what I said? I am of the belief equivalent to a plant. Yes. uh, That Tolkien was very explicit in how not uh, not subtextual he was. Like, his whole thing was make this language, create these, create a world to explain the language, and go from there. Like, anytime people try to attribute a subtext to it, oh, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a piece about uh, the whole thing's a, a not a metaphor. What is it? A literary? Is it illusion? What is that? Illusion. Yeah, illusion. Um, you know the whole thing or allegory for uh, like the industrialization of uh, mass industrialization, like the destruction of Fangorn Forest at the hands of the orcs and Sauron. You know that's it, it's secretly a you know a treatise on how uh, like an environmentalist treatise, like all this sort of thing, like World War Two. All these sort of things, like people kept putting on it, which you do with a work of art, you yeah. put things on it. But he, to the, his dying day, denied, denied, denied that it had any. It was anything more than, or he meant it to be anything more than, just what I said it was—an explanation of a mythic history. Now that's actually interesting because kind of one reason I find metal so refreshing is because so much popular music is about relationships or love or transitioning of time or a a myriad of topics but so much of metal is just a story told literally there's no there's there's no lyricist to empathize with there's they're ballads they're ballads in the very um medieval sense yes in fact the the band blind guardian they are known as the bards that is their name because they're they're essentially traveling storytellers so that almost seems to be borrowed as well so Tolkien didn't. Tolkien didn't. If nothing else, I will have succeeded in made you in making you self-conscious about that for the rest of your life. Because I have always in my head been like, "Oh, J.R.R. Tolkien," but I'm a big boob. You've been using that a lot lately. It's a. You like the way it sounds. Don't I you? I do. I do. It's 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 somehow it's quaint. It's punctual. 
It's, uh, it's got the word boob in it. It's got the word boob in it. Boob does have the word boob in it. It's that it's that it's that double buh sound. The boob. <laughs> That's exactly how uh, Steve says it every time he sees them too. Boob. boob. But the biggest boob of all is definitely Varg Vikernes because do you know <laughs> the biggest boob of all is definitely uh, Ale, the dark elf. Because <laughs> uh, Varg, he didn't uh, align with the hobbits, the dwarves, the elves. Who do you think he aligned with? Well, I'll tell you. Sauron? Instead, I felt a natural attraction to Sauron, who gave the person, uh, who was the person, who gave the world adventure, adversity, and challenges in the first place. I could easily identify with the fury of the quote-unquote dark forces and enjoyed their existence very much because they were making a boring and peaceful world dangerous and exciting. Because I think yeah. that's what Tolkien exactly wanted the darkness to be. Yeah, take exciting. that. Take that, peace. <laughs> Ugh, get off of me. Get away. Peace. Uh, I mean, I won't lie. Peace is boring. Is, but is there, a worse, is there a worse thing to be, though, than just boring? Yes, there is. It's called murder and death at all corners without but, any warning. But you see, that's where Varg has it figured out, because peace is boring, but it's bad if you're being, you know, if you're in the midst of warfare, but... If you are the person who is on the top perpetrating it, then you don't have to deal with those consequences. Oh, he's so right. That's what I've been doing wrong. I need me. I need to be the head you of the too, snake. Yes, you too should murder your bandmate and burn down some churches. You know, our political climate now is certainly not boring, but it is terrifying. Yes. Oh, Mike's not here. We can just talk about that. Yeah, exactly. We can just go into politics now. Donald uh, Trump is Sauron. <laughs> No, he's not. Sauron. I had the best rings. No, Sauron actually knew what he was doing. So, <laughs> yeah. But there are a myriad of other metal bands uh, that we can't get into. But Amon Amarth. Well, Amon Amarth is one of my favorite bands. But they did the same thing that so many other bands do. They borrowed something uh, from Tolkien. Uh, in this case, uh, Amon Amarth. Refresh my memory. What is that in uh, Tolkien language? It's well, it's a. Uh, I can't remember if it's Sindarin or, or I think it's Sindarin. It's um, uh, Mount Doom. It's the name. It's the title. It's what Mount Doom is called in yes. Sindarin. But there, because there's two Elvish languages now, Nick. There's Quenya and then there's Sindarin. Jeez. Now Sindarin. Okay. <laughs> I can go on. I stopped myself because you said. I'm gonna pretend we just edited an hour out. Yeah. And so oh, just say the you last should sentence. Def- you should definitely put a thing in that just says one hour later. And that's what Sindarin's all about. Yeah. Uh, and that's what that's the difference between Quenya and Sindarin. Wow, thanks, Steve. We certainly learned an important lesson this episode. But Amon and Martha is a perfect example of that. They are known as like the premier Viking metal band because all of their lyrics and music is about Vikings. They just happen to borrow that Tolkien bit from their very beginning, and then they did something else with it. So, but I, I don't think I don't think we should we should. Uh, there's a there's a perfect say, word I'm, to describe I, what. I'm curious if we played a game of I'm just going to name some like awesome sounding like Tolkien myth things and you tell me if there's a if there's a metal band that's called it. You know what that might be a good way to end it. Okay, whether it's a metal band metal band uh stage name of an artist or just should be metal band. Yeah. Okay, give me some. Uh let's see here. Degor Bragolach. Not a metal band. Okay. Yet. Um Nirnaeth Arnoidad. Arno and Arno Idiad. Arno Idiad. Arno Idiad. Nirnaeth Arno Idiad. Are you having a stroke? I am having a stroke. Sorry. 
It's the damn, it's like the Welsh that's in this with all like the OEs and the, and the umlauts and the weird, the weird little flicky things over the E's. I think Tolkien hated his readers. Yeah. Uh, Dagor Dagorath. Oh. I'm, just, I'm just naming battles now because I assume they would be battles. I mean, that sounds like names. Names Dagor. Dagor Dagorath. Come on, give me one or two more. Yeah, I'm trying to find them. Because uh, the uh, only the ones in the the battles in, for the War of the Ring don't typically I don't think they typically have the like the actual they're just called whatever the battle is like Helm's Deep or Hornburg or something like that they're not actually oh wait, hang on Steve I found one what, what do you think about this one Orlando Bloom <laughs> yeah that sounds right and then one of them was the uh, Battle of Sudden Flame. Which is the title of one of the songs on Blind Guardian's album, Nightfall oh, Middle there Earth. You go. All right, we we did it. We found one. Yay! That wasn't pointless. There is one that is actually real. That wasn't pointless at all. <laughs> so, I guess in conclusion, then, Steve, um, I don't know. Oh shit! Are we are we done? Yes. Oh man, I don't know what the hell we just talked about then for like the last. Well, Steve, I have a, I have a, I have a question for you. Um, I don't know if this episode and this discussion with you has made me more inclined to want to read The Lord of the Rings and the extended uh, Tolkien universe, such as the Silmarillion. Um, but now, has now you're said, just being an ass. No, I'm I, I'm leaning into it so that leaning I, into being an ass. <laughs> I'm leaning into that ass. But has this episode made? I don't know if it's made me more inclined to read those books and go immediately and do that, but has it made you more inclined to discover some different metal? I mean, I'll probably listen to some of this Blind Guardian stuff. Oh, hells yes, you will love it. After that, probably not, though. That's fair. I, I like it because I can understand what they're saying, but the second I hear one that's just, <laughs> and it's not in the black speech, then... <laughs> it's in the black metal speech. It's, in the black it's very metal different. Speech. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for listening to this. And we are sorry. Hey, much like Frodo and his quest for the ring, it's not about where we get to, it's the journey. And I think this has been an exceptional journey. Just ask for the eagles to show up. Oh my God. Just call the eagles. And if by call the eagles, you mean let the audience know where they can find us on social media? Yes, let's call the eagles. You can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier, and you can find the Song Topsy Report on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, thesongtopsyreport.com, and you can let us know if you have any suggestions uh, for songs we should do by emailing us at thesongtopsyreport at gmail.com. And uh, Steve? Yes. Uh, crap. What are the things Mike does? Um, I don't know. Send us stuff. If you... There's stuff you want us to do, send it to us. I mean, a lot of you are doing it already, so just keep doing it. Yeah, no, we, we've we've gotten some good suggestions recently uh, for songs to do. We'll probably have a listener submitted episode. Uh, and tell us about the time I- that you went to a sex shop to look for a pleather mini dress. <laughs> Wait, no, don't do don't no, Mike, don't do that. <laughs> you're just asking. You're just now. You're just like begging for police investigation. All right, Steve, whatever you say. Steve, you realize now we have to, at some point, do an episode where it's just you as you and Mike. Yeah, I'm game. I'm game for that. <laughs> Perhaps next April Fool's. We'll have to see. Uh, but yes, you can find Mike on MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.DOT. 
And uh, yeah, like Stephen Nick say. Um, oh yeah, you can find me on social media. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even type where you. Sorry, I got I got distracted. Was I was too busy even when implanting Mike's, my even mo- when Mike is not here, he's distracting. I you. was bl- implanting my mind into his cavernous skull, and it, I got lost. <laughs> um, Mike's got a big head. Yeah, I do Steve. Man, I really could do that. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, social media: Your Man Trollo, Twitter, Instagram, those two places. Follow me. Do that so I look cool. If I don't already look cool enough after talking about all of the stuff we've been talking about, I, here, here's why. All right, when I get down to it, here's yes, why. In conclusion, I, in conclusion, here's why I feel like I I think I missed the mark for this episode because I didn't talk for an excruciatingly long amount of time about in chronological order the events of the Lord of the Rings and its mythology. That could be a follow-up podcast. I think that's the whole... I don't know. Maybe we can add that uh, that recording you made of me just reading oh, the yeah. Silmarillion that one time. Yes, that is currently unreleased, but it does exist, where um, Steve read parts of the Silmarillion um, in a beautiful, beautiful baritone voice with the uh, soundtrack to Lord of the Rings playing in the background. And who knows, if there's no copyright infringement issues coming up, then maybe we could do that again. Yeah, that hasn't, that's been a problem for us lately. That hasn't stopped us. It has not. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for listening. I am Nick Brigadier. And I'm Steve Trollinger. And... Ashdautus Vrasvu Badlat! which is orcish for someday I will kill you. Sure it is. <laughs> and we will see you next week. Take care. Get to bed by three. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. 